of Joshua chapter 24. We'll be looking at verses 14 and 15 this morning. Once again, I want to wish all the men here, all the fathers, since I am one, and a grandfather. I finally understand why the grand is from the father now. Because when they mess up, misbehave, oh, mom and dad, here you go. Spoil and rot and not have every. But I want to wish you a, a happy Father's Day. No fathers, specifically faithful fathers, are necessary, essential, and vital for a stable, steady, secure family. Because a faithful father understands and undertakes his role in the home as directed by Scripture. So, you can conclude, to some degree, the moral breakdown that we see happening, or has happened, in our society, and may I even say in our churches, to some degree, is because of the failure of men. Refusing or flat out ignoring their obligations. By the way, men, children are a gift not a burden. It can also be blamed on men not fulfilling their God-ordained responsibilities. As a side note, the issue of a woman taking on the role as senior pastor in churches, one reason that has come to the forefront, I believe, is because many of our churches are open because of the faithful women who are doing everything else and decide, why can't we? We're doing everything else anyway. It's because men have forsaken their obligation and their responsibility. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice that's directed to fathers. Do not provoke. By the way, that's been quoted at me many, many times by my wife when I used to get mad at the kids. You can tell her that. She knows that already. But notice it talks about fathers to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Gentlemen, we are to lead our household. We are to be the spiritual leaders of the household because that is where it all begins in the home. Now bear with me. This is going to be a little long illustration. But when you look at our schools today, schools are doing things they were never intended to do. The schools are to teach and educate our young people. Because we understand for our society to function, we need people who can read, who can write, who can think for themselves. We also, also know that education cannot happen in an environment that's chaotic. And people running around. But see, discipline begins in the home. Therefore, the school is just to come alongside the parents and go by the same guidelines. But now, sometimes there's no one at home. They come to school, and now the school is taking on the responsibility of parents, which they're never originally intended to do. And the same thing is happening in our churches. It says fathers. It doesn't say pastors. It doesn't say youth ministers. It doesn't say children ministers. It says fathers. Raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. 
Now, if you stop right there, we could probably say, I can do that. But he throws a qualifier on it. Look what he says there. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, that puts it a whole new ballgame. And may I say, it's not an issue of who's inferior to who. It's complementary. I can do things. I'm gifted in areas. Tammy's gifted in areas. And together we raise our family. It's not a question who's inferior. It's always complementary. It tells my wife to submit to me my leadership. As she sees me follow Christ and submit to His Lordship. And as I told Tammy time and time again, I love you sacrificially as Christ loves the church. I'll do anything for you. I'll lay down my very life. And she sees that. She'll respond and follow me anywhere. And if you have a marriage built on that, it has nowhere to go but up. There is no adequate substitute in the home for a strong spiritual father. Let's read our text. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with faithful fathers? But bear with me. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua has been leading the children of Israel. He's coming to the end of his life. And he stands before the people and he says this, Now therefore, Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Look what he says first. Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Literally, it can be translated, serve Him with integrity. The New International Translation puts it this way, serve Him with all faithfulness. And the New Living Translation, serve Him wholeheartedly with everything that you have. Like the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your Heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. Everything that you got, serve Him. The Hebrew word has the idea of wholeness, blamelessness, and integrity. Even carries the notion of perfection. One should be totally devoted in his or her worship. Let me ask you a question. Put you someone on the spot. You may not know the songs we sung this morning, but did you hear the words? If you sang... Great is thy faithless is an old hymn goes way, way back. Did you stop and think about what you're saying? Did you really worship him with everything you have? God, you are faithful. In spite of what I may do and what I do sometimes, God, you are faithful. God responds when we serve him, when we worship him with everything that we have. That's when everything else just fades away. Who you're sitting with, where you're at, everything just goes away. And you find yourself in front of God Almighty. He tells them, put away your, put away the gods your fathers served beyond the river. And the river he's talking about is Euphrates. But listen to this. And in Egypt. What? Apparently, they were worshiping false gods when they were in Egypt. 
Now, nothing in the Exodus narrative points this out. However, if you look to the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, you'll find reference to that. For example, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7. They shall no longer sacrifice their sacrifices to the great demons with which they play the harlot. And then again in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. They sacrifice to demons who are not gods, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately whom your fathers did not dread. So apparently this is not a just a one-time thing with Israel. It has a history with worshiping false gods. Now us here in 21st century America, when we think of a false god, we might think of an idol, a little idol sitting somewhere, people bound down to it. But we have our idols here in America. An idol, by definition, is anything that gets between you and God. That bumps God off number one, because God has to be number one in your life. He deserves it. He has to be number one. Above your wife, above your children, above everything else, He has to come first. Anything else that comes in between that, that is an idol. Your job can be your idol. Money can be an idol. Relationships can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. It it goes on and on. With that said, what is coming between you? Is anything coming between you and God being first in, in your life? What is it? And I tell you right now, God wants you to deal with that. He wants to be first in your life. And He deserves to be. He tells them, if it's disagreeable, choose for yourselves who you're going to serve. That's not my question to you. That's a great question I ask all of you and people who are watching over there. Choose for yourselves. Who are you going to serve? And if you choose not to answer that question, then you're choosing not to serve. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground here. Either you're going to choose God, or you're not. And right now, it's easy to say we choose God. We're around a lot of like-minded people right now. A safe place. A sanctuary. We get out there in the world. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to serve? He says, are you going to serve the God of the Amorites whose land you are now living? This false worship has been a hallmark of Israel's distant ancestors. It's still around them even now happening. And he is asking them to choose for themselves. Israel had never really rid herself of false worship after all this time. Think about it. They came out of Egypt. All the plagues. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Saw the pillow of fire. Saw Pharaoh's army drown. Then he started grumbling, we're going to go back to Egypt. We're hungry. God fed the manna, which means manna means what is it? And they still wouldn't believe and They sent spies out and ten of them came back and said, we can't do it. Two of them did. That was Joshua and Caleb. The whole generation died off. But God still took care of him in the wilderness. Joshua now proceed, uh, follows Moses. Talk about some big shoes to fill. They conquer Jericho. Perhaps you heard the story about the walls falling down. And after all they've seen God do, in spite of what they've done, they still couldn't get, get away from it. 
That serves as a caution to me as an individual. Am I guilty of false worship? Am I guilty of giving something else my time and attention that rightfully belongs to God? And as your pastor, as his church, is anything getting away of us truly following God? Or are we busy after our own agendas and what we want done? We look at this text, you look at Joshua as his example, and we must conclude that a faithful father, his first priority is the Lord. He loves God with all his being, and he's totally devoted to him and in his worship to the Lord. Nothing else comes first but God. You see, guys, we have to lead. And you can't lead from behind. In other words, I can't tell my girls, go to church, learn how to be good, while I sit home watch football. I can't tell my girls, go and study, do good things, while I sit home. It doesn't work like that. You cannot lead from behind. A faithful father is a verbal teacher. He instructs and speaks truth to his family and teaches his family about the precepts and principles of God's Word. He's a visual teacher. As I just talked about, he puts his verbal, train, his verbal teaching into practice. His understanding, a faithful father's understanding and teaching of God's Word informs, influences, shape his ethics, his behavior. So we have it backwards. We want to get involved in a certain behavior. Then we go looking into the Word, into the Bible to find a proof text to justify that behavior that we want. No, we need to start with the Bible first. What does this say we need to do? And then follow it. You can't be running stuff off. And, and by the way, fathers, we can't condemn the sin that we see in our children's lives and yet try to justify our own. That's leading from behind, and that does not work. He serves, a faithful father serves as a model and a pattern for his family to imitate. He teaches with consistency and competency. That's coupled with compassion for his family, and also knowing the needs of his family. That means you have to be engaged. You know what my biggest problem is a lot of times? This right here. You know what this is, don't you? The old iPhone. I'm guilty of going out to a restaurant with my wife. And sometimes our daughters, son-in-laws will come and know what we do. Not even engaging with each other. No. To know the needs of my family and to teach the way I need to teach, I need to know what's going on in their lives. Now when the girls were little, one thing we committed to, our schedule all over the place. At night, we would sit around the dinner table. And we actually force them sometimes. No, you're not going to your room. You're not going to watch TV. We're going to sit right here and have a family meal together. Can I, can I tell a story on you? Yeah, you. Yeah. I'm talking to Madeline. Year, years later, this is a side note, nothing to do with the sermon. We sit around the meal table and... 
we take turns cleaning off the table, doing the dishes, and put them in the dishwasher, right? Mal was always one who was eating. She's at the table for an hour still eating. I'm still eating. Still does it to this day. Then she informed me about a year ago, Dad, you know why I did that? I said, why? She goes, that way I'd never had to clean off the table. You probably still do that, don't you? <laughs> but the point being, getting around the table and talking to each other. We have to carve out time for our families, gentlemen, and talk to our kids. Be involved in their lives. What's going on at school? If they're in sports, what's going on? Because at the end of the day, you will have to give an account for the training and the teaching of your family. That's right. You will be responsible. You may not like me. You may not like what I'm saying this morning. You may have a lot of things going on, but I'm warning you now, at the end of the day, we all are accountable. and We'll have to answer. There's no justifying, well, look what Roger did. Look what late. No, Tim. I gave you three girls to raise. You were responsible for leading them into my word and teaching them what did you do. And we come to this question, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. It's kind of interesting that he would ask that question because up to this point in the Old Testament, it was God who did the choosing. He chose the people of Israel to be His people. He had chosen Israel from among the nations. Now he's asking Israel, specifically Joshua is asking Israel to choose its loyalties. Who are you going to be loyal to? The choice is laid out. And notice, there's no threats that are made and there's no attempt to try to coerce them. Make the choice. Salvation is like that. Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for mine. He went into the tomb, but on the third day He rose victorious over sin, the grave, and death. And He's ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father. Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can never be good enough. You just turn to Him. You confess that you've broken His laws and His precepts. You say, I am a sinner and you repent from that and cry out to Jesus, please save me, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. And in that moment, you are now a son or daughter of God. The blood of Christ now cleanses you from all sin. You are given a new nature. There's nothing you can do to earn that. You just receive it. It's a gift. There's no trying to coerce. God doesn't try to coerce you or trick you in any way. He said, the choice is yours. Consider this, dearly beloved. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He's done everything He possibly can to put barrier after barrier after obstacle after obstacle to keep you from going to hell because He loves you that much. So much so, He was willing to sacrifice His only Son to do it. The only reason you will go there is because you refuse to accept the free gift in Christ Jesus. The same thing's going on here. Just choose for yourself. And I would challenge you, choose for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. Call out to God. Give your life to God and see what He can do. 
A faithful father does not push their children into vocations that please them. Yeah, it'd be nice if they're a doctor and a lawyer to take care of me in old age, but you know, I want them to do what God calls them to do. In other words, I want them to be in the middle of God's will. That's the safest and most precious place to be is in the middle of God's will for their life. I've always told them, do not sell yourself short. God's calling you to that. You go after it with everything you've got. God will equip you. And you've heard me say this a thousand times. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Negligence and laziness is always a danger. It's easy to allow our kids to run around with the crowd. You don't want to have that argument. Or get into it when they come home from school. You just say, you know what, I'm too tired. I can't deal with this. I'm going to just do what you want. It's easy to do that. But we can't. We must never be guilty, gentlemen, of ignoring the lifestyle of our children. And we must give them biblical direction. Not only tell them what we believe, but why we believe it. And show the Scriptures why we believe it the way we do. And be honest with them. Tell them what might happen if they choose not to follow God's path. The dangers out there that await them. The faithful father does not impose rules that are impossible for the children to please him. In other words, don't set the bar so high that they'll never please you. I've heard kids... I used to do a preteen camp in uh, New Mexico some years ago. And I hear these small kids... Nine to ten years old tell me that I just wish my dad would tell me he's proud of me. If you can, go watch them play ball. I don't care if they're getting whooped 55. Be there. Cheer your kid on. Let them know that you're proud of them. Let them know that you really care. We must control our tongue and our temper. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Still working on my temper to some degree, I'll be honest. Praise God, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I thought I'd get amen back there, but I didn't. See, our children one day will be confronted with the same question that's facing Israel in our text. All my girls are grown now. We could have done a better job looking back. We tried our best to instill with them what God wants them to do and how to follow God and read His Word. But now, it's up to them. They're of that age. Now they have to take responsibility. Now that question faces them. As they go out, who are you going to serve? And you stop and think about that question. It permeates everything that we do in life. Every decision we make. Is this going to honor God or is it not? Is this what you want me to do, God? And it's everything from, from who, we, who we marry to our jobs, where we spend our money, where we spend our time. Everything comes underneath that umbrella. It's huge. And then Joshua. Regardless of what everyone else is going to say or do, he comes out and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You choose to do whatever you want to do. Me and my house, we won't serve the Lord. And that's what we have to get out to the world. 
We'll tell them about Jesus. We'll tell them about the love of Jesus and come to Jesus for salvation. But regardless of what you do, I am going to serve the Lord. He is willing to move ahead of His people and commit Himself regardless of people's inclinations. He is setting a bold example. Undoubtedly encouraged many to pledge the same. And He serves. Joshua serves as an example for us, gentlemen. Because as I said earlier, fathers are leaders and you cannot lead from behind. You're hanging around some of your co-workers. Some places they go. I have a lot of friends down at work. I had to tell them, look, I still care about you. I pray for you and I do love you. But I can't be involved in that behavior with you anymore. This is the reasons why. You have to be out front. It'll cost you some friends, yes. Will it be difficult at times? Oh yeah, it will. But when you look at church in America, my opinion, and I, I say that all across the spectrum, the reason why we're in some of this condition that we are is because as God's people, we refuse to stand up and say, you can do what you want, but we're going to serve the Lord. And I want to let you know as your pastor of this church, this is this church is what this church wants is to serve God, serve the Lord. See, our, our churches, our society desperately needs these kinds of people. What's one thing that really drives you crazy about politicians? Now, we could have a list of a thousand and one things I know, but one thing about a politician, I'll sum it up in this. They never take a firm stance, do they? They always go out and see which way the wind's blowing. We need people who stand on their convictions and stand strong and never cave in. That's what our churches need. That's what our society desperately needs. Because a faithful father will do what is right regardless of what other people may say. That's integrity, is it not? You do what is right regardless of what other people say. The motto of a faithful father is as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So every father needs to ask himself the following questions. Ready, guys? Number one, am I the father that God desires me to be? Am I leading my family? Am I instructing my family? Am I teaching my family? Number two, am I the father my family needs or expects me to be? And then thirdly, am I the father that I want to be. Here's the good news. Number one, you fall on the spectrum of those questions. There's always time to come forward, seek mercy and forgiveness, and turn to God, and He will meet you where you're at and start to make things change. I remember with my oldest daughter, before I gave my life to Christ, I was mean. I put down the uh, lazy boy, you know, when you prop your feet up, and she would take off running to mama. So I was mean. I never hit her. It was me. I was just mean. Didn't spend a lot of time with her. But when I gave my life to Christ, and God began to change me, she saw a different daddy. Now, Mal and I are closer. In some degrees, me and Allie are too. But see, they got a little different daddy than the first one got. I'm telling you guys, it's never too late. It's never too late. 
as long as you're breathing air in your lungs, you can always come and come to God. See, the best gift you can give your family, gentlemen, is yourself. The best gift. Because you are vital. You are crucial in the instruction and leading your family in the ways of the Lord. Consider the example of our Heavenly Father and what He has done and is currently doing even as we speak. That's our example to follow. That's our responsibilities, gentlemen. Our churches, our families, our society needs faithful fathers. And let me encourage you. We got VBS coming up tomorrow night. Some of these kids may need some male influence, and you can be a spiritual mentor, a spiritual father to some of these kids. Come alongside them. There's always opportunities. Because you know what it's supposed to happen is those who us are more spiritually mature, been with the Lord a long time, have gone through some things in life, teach and show us younger ones how they navigated it. I'm going to pick on Larry for a second. Larry's been through some life events that I have yet to go through. I lost my mama. And I've come to some of you and asked, how'd you get through it? And you helped me. That's what it's about. Helping one another as we go down life's journey together. It is quite sobering for me to think about how much influence we have as men. I don't care what survey you go to, it's across the board, it is evident how much we can shape and influence kids just by our actions and how we approach them. Now we come to the invitation. Time for you to choose. What are you going to do? Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever called out to Him and asked for forgiveness of your sins, repented from Him? In other words, you turn away from Him and you embrace the things of God and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Have you done that? If you have done that, have you followed in obedience in baptism? Baptism is an outward display of what's taken in your heart already. You're dying to yourself. You're raising newness of life. It's a public proclamation of your faith. Have you done that? Is there something coming between you and God taking that first place? There's something holding you back. Or perhaps God is leading you here to join us as a local body of believers. And as I always have stated, this is not a perfect church. If it was, it stopped being a perfect church the minute they called me as pastor. What you will find here is people who love each other and desire to serve the Lord with all their heart. Maybe He's leading you to do that and join us here. Come forward and do all that. Perhaps you need to go across the way and just pray with somebody. Whatever it is, please take care of business today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Time is short. The The most precious commodity you have is time. That's why employers pay you by the hour. 
because it's precious. Once you spend that hour, you cannot get it back. It's gone. It's appointed once for men to die, and then comes the judgment. Once again, I want to echo the words of Joshua. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and forgiveness. Father, we pray that you raise up a generation, raise up men who will answer to your call to be the spiritual leaders and mentors that you've designed us to be. We would be the type of father that you desire us to be, the type of father our family desires us to be. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity today that we can turn to you and through your, feel your loving arms of peace and love wrap around us. Let your Holy Spirit continue to move and have his way this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?